When was the last time that you've had your mind blown, where you've learned something or discovered something that totally changed how you thought about the world, how you thought about yourself, how you thought about other people? When was the last time you had your mind blown? Uh, Today, we're concluding a series that we started at the beginning of the year in the Gospel of Mark, where we've been looking at what it means to follow Jesus, to live as uh, one of his disciples or a follower of Jesus. And today, we're actually going to go back to where we started in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1. We're going to look at uh, the inaugural sermon that Jesus gave. And in this sermon, we're going to see, I believe, something that totally blows our minds. In fact, having our mind blown by Jesus is one of the, uh, one of the key things that happens in following Jesus and living as his disciples. I remember as a kid, uh, I, I grew up, uh, my parents took me to church when I was a kid, and we did uh, summer camps too at our church. They called it Vacation Bible School. How many of you guys are familiar with Vacation Bible School? And I just want to say some words out loud and let you, let you in. You guys want to do a little insider baseball today? I'll let you guys in on just a little, a little something. Why do we call it Splash Camp? Well, for starters, it's Splash Camp because there's a lot of water involved. Uh, but secondly, the reason we don't call it Vacation Bible School is, I'll just, I'll just pro- prove to you why. Uh, I, if I say the word vacation, is that happy? Like, how do you feel when I say vacation? Yeah. And, and then now, um, Bible School. Right? It's like a contradiction in terms. It's like happy, not happy, right? So we call it Splash Camp. We certainly love uh, teaching the Bible, but uh, one of the reasons, so I grew up going to vacation Bible school. And at vacation Bible school, one of the things that uh, was kind of repeated over and over and over again, at least what I heard, was that the, the big idea of following Jesus was about saying a prayer to Jesus so I could go to heaven when I die instead of going to hell. I definitely didn't want to go to hell as a kid, still don't as a grown-up, and, uh, but at, at that point in time, it, that was like the big push, right? So the, the, the leaders and the teachers, they would say, you know, like, you got you to gotta say the prayer so you can go to heaven when you die, so you can be with Jesus. Certainly, being with Jesus when we die is part of the good news that Scripture teaches, but there's much more mind-blowing truth uh, to following Jesus than just that. But that's what I picked up, and I, I love our Splash Camp program because our, our Splash Campers this, this last week, uh, over 300 kids were here, and they heard about the goodness of God. They heard about that God's creative and that we get to be creative too because we're made in God's image. They learned about Jesus uh, being a God in the flesh, that if we want to see God, we can look to Jesus and truly know God. And that following Jesus is not something about primarily about like when we die. It's, it's a reality and a life that we live into now. And that's what I'd like to show you today. I'm gonna, uh, we're going to look at Jesus' inaugural sermon, this mind-blowing sermon and it's just, it's just a few sentences, and then we're going to look at the proper response to uh, the message that Jesus gives. And in this uh, section, in this, in this sermon that Jesus gives, uh, this little mini-sermon that he gives, there's, there's four or five phrases that I want to tease out for us today as we conclude this series and, and follow Jesus. Uh, so check this out. This is the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, uh, verse uh, 14 and on. And if you're joining us online, I'd encourage you to grab a Bible and follow along with us. If you don't have a Bible, just go to Bible.com. 
and we're using the Christian Standard Version of the Bible today. For those of you joining us in person, you should have it uh, printed out in a handout, and that's given uh, so that you can make notes if you want to. We encourage you to do that. Or if you have a Bible, we encourage you to turn to Mark chapter 1. Also, if you don't have a Bible and would like one, there are some available on the tables in the back. And if you don't own a Bible, please take that as our gift uh, to you this morning. So this is, uh, here we go. Are you guys ready? Okay, so we're just, just hold on. Okay, so I want you to help me out here. So this is, this is, um, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go like this. Okay, so this is the, this is the, this is the spiritual discipline of having your mind blown. And this is what it looks like. Okay, very good. You guys are, okay, so I'm pro- I, I want to make the argument from the text that this is an appropriate spiritual discipline that you should, cons- you and I, we should consistently having, be having our minds. Okay, ready? Here we go. After John was arrested, Jesus went to Galilee. So Galilee is like north of Jerusalem. It's kind of more of a rural area. And he went to Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. So this word here, good news, uh, you guys ever heard the word gospel before? Okay, so gospel is just another way to say good news uh, or, or the evangel. Um, and good news was, wasn't really a religious word. It was, uh, there was consistently uh, in the time of Jesus, there were people who would walk into town and, and they would walk into town. And if they had good news about the king, maybe there was a military conquest and their king was victorious or, or maybe a new uh, prince or princess was born, they would, they would come into town and they would, this herald would come in and they would say, good news. And then they would proclaim whatever good news they had. So Jesus shows up on the scene in Galilee. Jesus shows up and he says what? Good news. And everyone's like, cool, we know good newsers when we see them. But this good news is different because this is the good news of It's not the good news of Caesar, which would have been common. Hey, good news, Caesar won the battle and everyone would celebrate. This is not the good news of a military conquest. This is the good news of whom? Okay, so let's lean in. What is the gospel that Jesus comes proclaiming? What is the good news that Jesus has for us? Check this out. The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of, what's this language? Kingdom of has come near. Repent and believe the good news. This is the sermon. The time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God has come near, repent and believe the good news. Now, here's, let's zoom in just on a few words. First of all, the time is fulfilled, uh, the kingdom of God has come near. So what Jesus shows up, Jesus shows up and says, good news, thank you, good news. Let's all say it together, good news. Jesus shows up and says, good news, good news of God. What is the good news of God? That the time is fulfilled. And throughout, if you were to go back, if you were to go home today and read through your whole Bible, which I would strongly encourage you to do, especially in a group of a bunch of people who are different than you, so you can learn from one another and challenge one another, and after a hundred years of doing that, become wise. That's what we're all doing here. A bunch of misfits at Desert Springs Bible Church invite you into that. So one of the things you'll discover reading through your Older Testament, or what we call the Older Testament, Jesus just called it Scripture, is that throughout the Scriptures, so, so Genesis all the way forward, there is a hope that there would one day be a king, a king who would save us from this mess 
that would save us from our sin, that would save us from the, the snares of evil and death, that, they would, that, would, that God would save us, that God himself would become king. And there's all this nuance and beauty, and it's this unfolding mystery in your Older Testament. But usually, or often I should say, what the, those who were looking forward to that hope, that hope-filled day, they would say it's the time or the day on that day or at the end of the time. And don't think, don't think time is a linear thing, but just that season, that time. The time is now what? Fulfilled. Okay, so Jesus, another way to say it is he's saying now is the time that we've all been looking forward to, that there would one day be the rule and reign of God present here in our midst. Right? And the kingdom of the time is fulfilled, this is what we've all been waiting for, and the what? Kingdom of God has done what? This is fascinating. Has done what? Come near. That's, do we talk about kingdoms like that? Don't we say things like the kingdom was established or the kingdom was conquered or the kingdom was formed? But here Jesus says the kingdom of God has what? Come near. And in the Gospel of Mark, one of the things that you'll frequently find is Jesus is a little playful with the kingdom. He doesn't come right out and say it. He says things like this. People say, Jesus, well, what's the kingdom of God like? And he says, the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. The kingdom of God is like a shepherd who finds a lost sheep. The kingdom of God is like. But one of the things that Jesus also does is he says the kingdom of God is imminent, meaning it's right here. I think, and I think Mark fleshes this out, I think Mark thinks that Jesus views his own self as the, hold on now, as the embodiment or manifestation of the kingdom of God. That he, that the kingdom of God is in him somehow. And then, and I, I think this is proven, because then he invites us in to follow him and he's synony- he has that synonymous with being members of the kingdom. So to put it another way, if I could just kind of say it like this, that following Jesus and living the Jesus way, putting our faith and our allegiance to Jesus is entering into that near kingdom because following Jesus and the kingdom of God, Jesus seems to mesh those two things together, which is why I think he says the kingdom of God has come what? Near. It's near to you. It's near to you. Jesus is like, here, here it is, right? So, Kingdom of God. This is the kingdom of Ab- that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and all of the Old Testament uh, 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 um, pillars of faith were looking forward to, that the day has come and been fulfilled, that the time is now. And this is why this is important, because, it, okay, so you might be wondering, why is this important? This is a great question. Let me tell you why it's important. Because without the kingdom of God, the only powers that we can give ourselves over to are the kingdoms of this world. And those, the kingdoms of this world lead to death. They lead to, they lead to I mean, just, uh, hi. Don't we see that? Don't we, I mean, some of us, we, we've tasted it. So, so if the only thing that we've got is the kingdoms of this world, is that not hell? And so the kingdom of God being near, is that good news? If you have ever, been sickened by the corruption and the evil and the decay and the death of the kingdoms of this world, if you've ever been oppressed by it, if you've ever been torn down by it, if you've ever bared the weight of evil, this is great news. Because the kingdom of God is now here. The time is fulfilled. Check this out. 
What, okay, so, so I, that's it on the kingdom of God. So this, this idea of the kingdom of God, um, for many of us, this is new, like tethering the good news of Jesus to the kingdom of God. For a lot of us, I know that for many of us, we kind of grew up or have heard that, you know, the gospel is say a prayer so you go to heaven when you die. And so this may be something that you want to explore further. You're in luck. Uh, this summer, we're hosting a bunch of topical studies. They're one-offs. You can come for one. You can come for all of them. Uh, we're calling it Summer Sessions, and we're going to do uh, a whole session just on the biblical theme and concept of the kingdom of God. So in your uh, handouts, it's uh, Summer Sessions. There's a website there. You can go there, uh, check out that link, and see all of the topics. And I want to tell you, when you go and look at those topics, some of them are going to be scary. Some of them are going to be maybe like you even read the topic and you're like, that makes me uncomfortable. So the topics, some of them may be scary and uncomfortable, but the class won't be, okay? Class is going to be fun. We're going to have a lot of laughs. We're going to read the Bible together. We're going to encourage one another uh, and and have a Jesus-centered conversation about these things. But I'm really looking forward to the summer session on the kingdom of God. I want to invite you to participate and join me in that, uh, that study that we're going to do together. The kingdom has come where? Near... And so what does Jesus tell us to do? First of all, he tells us what has happened, doesn't he? He says, this is what happened. Time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God has come near. And I think the implication is in him. And so what does he tell us then to do? Watch this. Repent and believe the what? Good news, okay? Hold up. This word, repent. When I say vacation, do you feel happy? When I say Bible school, when I say repent, right, it's, kind of a, it's kind of a word that we just, right? It's a little bitter on the tongue, isn't it? Like if, if, if I come to you and I'm like, hey, repent, how does that make you feel? Repent. I mean, usually it's followed up, and, and I, like, this is insider baseball. I'm going to let you in. So, like, uh, I, I'm a preacher sometimes, and, and I, I study sermons, and I, I, I read and, and, and watch and listen to a lot of sermons. And I know that there's sermons that go like this, that the pastor's all sweaty, you know, and he's, he's got his finger out, and he's pointing it at you, and he says, repent, sinners. Right? Uh, categorically, those are sometimes referred to as fire and brimstone sermons. Notice Jesus does not have that tone. Jesus is proclaiming what? Good news. And just as we sang to each other a moment ago, he is for you. So this, this repentance thing, I just want to put a little seasoning on it. Because that language, repent, it's been flavored wrong. Like in modern English, it's just not capturing what Jesus actually had in mind. That word repentance, uh, and, and now we're going to get geeky, okay? So we're going to get all Bible nerdy. That word, in, and by the way, Jesus did not speak English. Uh, he pro- I think, we think he spoke Aramaic, and then the gospel writers uh, wrote in Greek. So there's a lot of translation happening. Um, and so, but the original Greek word that Mark would have used, or Mark did use, excuse me, uh, is metanoia. So super geeky, but meta, so if you, like, have you ever heard the word meta, like, um, like, oh, that's so meta, right? Or like meta-narrative, anybody? You guys got me? Okay, so meta. So meta just means over or above, right? Like meta-narrative is the overarching story. And then uh, um, metanoia, the noia part is knowing it's, or thinking. Uh, another way to say metanoia, another way to translate it could be to have a paradigm shift or to think above what you're currently thinking, metanoia, right? To think above, right? It does not 
primarily, hear me on this, it does not primarily have the idea of penitence, although that's seasoned in there. It's not the primary flavor. Penitence, it got translated into Latin uh, a few hundred years after Mark wrote it, and you got that language of penitence, and that's where we get repentance, repentance, right? And it's got that seasoning of like sackcloth and ash and kind of like regret or remorse, and certainly that is That season is there, but the primary flavor is to have your mind blown. To have a... To see the world differently, to see yourself differently, to see God differently, to have a complete and utter, not just change of mind, but change of whole self. Sometimes the biblical authors would say body, mind, and soul. To have your whole, the way, the way I think, the way I feel, the way I act, the things I will, to have all of that just, to have my mind blown. And is that not what happens when I'm stuck following the power structures of the kingdoms of this world, giving myself over to it, and then I see Jesus, and Jesus shows up and proclaims the good news of the kingdom of God, and then I see the whole world in a new way. In fact, the kingdom of Jesus is upside down. The the kingdom of Jesus, I mean, the crown that Jesus wears in the gospel of Mark is made of thorns. He is high and lifted up, not in a throne room, but on a cross. He says, if you want to be first, be last. You, you, You people in the kingdoms of this world, you keep trying to take the head. You keep trying to lead from the front. But I tell you, if you want to be a leader of all, be a servant to all. And so repentance, and in Hebrew, I told you we were going to get nerdy. (laughs) In Hebrew, the the language isn't like metanoia, think above. It's actually turn back, right? Repent in, in Hebrew, which is your Old Testament, most of it was written in Hebrew. It's got this idea of turning back to God, that I was once, that humanity was once with God in the garden, and then we turned our backs on God, went our own way, and that language of repentance is turn back. So it's got this seasoning of have your mind just and then to turn back to God. Because do you remember, uh, oh, Jesus is so cool. So Jesus tells this parable, uh, and it's, it's about God's love for us. And he says, uh, if any of you had a hundred sheep and one of them went astray, If you were a good shepherd, wouldn't you leave the 99 for the one? And Jesus says, God is like that because you were in his flock, then you left, and he's doing all of this to get you back. So we were once with God, then we turned our backs on God, and what Jesus says is the kingdom of God, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God has come near. Therefore, turn, and then what's this next word? Believe. Okay, so, so, so here's my hope. I hope that you repent of how you think about repentance. Certainly there is, I want to be clear, certainly there is a seasoning of remorse for my past uh, corrupt or wrong thinking. Certainly there's remorse there, but it's so much bigger than that. This, and it's also, by the way, repentance is not confession. Confession is when I say to God, God, I have sinned in, in this way or that way. That's confession, when I confess, right? Uh, if you want to get crazy... Your scripture actually says we are to confess our sins to each other. What kind of a community might we be like if we had such a mind-blowing view of God and his overwhelming grace 
that we actually had the confidence in him to confess our sins to each other. So here's my encouragement to you. Uh, Invite some people out to lunch from your church family and have a conversation about how you think or have thought or might be changing your mind about repentance. That's your homework for today. And if you buy the lunch, you win. (laughs) Because in the kingdom of God, everything is upside down. To be a leader of all or to be a servant of all? Okay, so Jesus wants us to have our minds blown. And then what's this next word? Believe. Okay, believe. So this word believe, uh, what does that mean? Uh, I see this word all over the place, right? Uh, I took my uh, kids to Disney and, man, it was a lot. It was a lot. And everywhere at Disney uh, is this language of belief. Just believe. So what does believe mean? What do you guys think? What's belief? Like, I I believe in you. What's that? To have faith in? Yeah, to have faith in. To hold something to be true? Yeah. You guys are sitting in chairs. You have faith in the chair, right? You you saw that chair, and you, you said, I trust you. Right? You got down. I saw you guys earlier. You got down. You said, don't let me down. There was that one chair that I trusted and had faith in. I believed in that chair, and then I sat in it, and it did not hold. And instead of dieting, I got a bigger chair. Sorry, I'm confessing my sins. Okay, let's keep going. Repent and believe. This language of believe is, you guys are right, right? Faith, to have faith in, to have trust in. When you get on an airplane, you believe in aerodynamics. You believe in the capacity of the pilot. You believe in the engineers and the mechanics that put that plane together. You, you trusted in it. But there's another nuance. So there's another nuance to this language of believe. It's, it's another seasoning. All that's there. Faith in, trust in, to hold to be true. All of that's there. There's, a, there's another thing that we often miss. You guys ready for it? It's the, it's the concept of loyalty or allegiance. I'll, I'll use the word allegiance. To believe in the kingdom, that that Jesus, that the time, okay, watch this. To believe that the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God has come near, it's also got a seasoning of allegiance because there's the kingdoms of this world and then there's the kingdom of what? God. And so to believe in is to change my allegiances from the kingdoms of this world to what? The kingdom of God. Uh, the the uh, later biblical authors will be meditating on this and they'll riff on it and they'll say things like, we are ambassadors, citizens of another kingdom. Now, now uh, okay, hi. Uh, I'm going to really try not to be a jerk. Okay? No, just hold on. I'm going to be I'm a pastor. I'm supposed to be nice. I'm going to be nice. Okay. There is a phrase Come on, come on, come, come with me here. There's a phrase that I hear, and I think it might be a little bit misaligned. And that's this phrase. Uh, we're not home yet. Or there's a song. All I know is I'm not home yet. Or we'll say things like, I can't wait to get home in heaven. Okay, you guys heard this kind of language? And I'm not trying to slam anybody. I totally get it. It's like pervasive in our culture. But notice what Jesus says. He does not say, the time is fulfilled Say a prayer so you can die and then experience the kingdom of God. Is that what he says? 
That, that, that your only hope is to die and then go home? Is that what he says? What does he say? The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God has what? Okay. Which means that right now I can experience the kingdom of God. Do you know that Jesus rose from the dead? Okay, so Jesus, I just want, ready? I want you to follow me here. If Jesus says that the kingdom of God has come near and, the, and Jesus is still living and his spirit dwells within us, so I just want to notice something, that the presence of Jesus is right here with us now, which means that we don't wait till we die. We can experience the kingdom, a foretaste of the, of the kingdom now because Christ is risen indeed. So I can experience the risen Christ now, and we can experience the risen Christ now, which means we can experience aspects of the kingdom of God, not in its fullness, but we can experience the kingdom now, which means that my belief in Jesus means that not only do I and repent and believe the good news, I believe by placing my trust in Jesus, which means right now following the Jesus way and experiencing the kingdom now. Anytime, listen to me, there's this, okay, I'm sweating now, I'm like that fire and brimstone preacher, I'm sweating, you got me preaching, you guys got me, now listen to me, listen, there's this, there's this phrase, <laughs> uh, and it, it kind of gets, uh, it's a little, it's from the Bible, so I like it, but I'm supposed to like it, and, but it kind of gets misused, and it says like, where two or three, or three or more are gathered, there I am in your midst, and I want, I want to show you something, if, we, okay, so if, if two of you come with me, and the three of us, We've had our minds blown by Jesus. We've turned from the kingdoms of this world. We have turned and given not only our trust, our faith, our hope, but our allegiance to Jesus. And we're living and walking the Jesus way with three of us. Then are we not experiencing a taste of heaven now? Where kindness and love and forbearance and mercy and grace and peace and peacemaking and justice rule and reign in our midst where the kingdoms of this world have no power in our midst, where death has no say in our midst, we experience the kingdom now. And now, now hear me on this. Jesus will one day return and finish what he started. And I have hope in that too. But I am not waiting until then to experience the risen Christ. Let's experience him now together. And so let's walk. So, so we're going to walk the Jesus way together. We're going to, listen, we're going to suck at it because, because we're people and we're going to keep turning to our own way. We're going to keep being tempted by the kingdoms of this world. We're going to have a wrestling in our hearts about where our allegiance lies. And that's why Jesus put us together as a community of misfits to say, hey, remember there's a Jesus way, right? And so we call each other to repentance, not out of guilt, shame, or ah. it's just, hey, remember, remember the mind-blowing truth of Jesus? It's a better way. Come on, come on back. Let's follow him together. That's what we do as a community, is we call each other to repentance, to in turn. Repent and believe the what? The good news. Okay, so for, for some of us, this is all fresh, right? This is kind of the first time maybe we're hearing this or maybe we're putting some pieces together. I want to invite you, uh, this August, we're starting a, 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 a church-wide study in a curriculum called Rooted. It's a 10-week study we do it in small groups, and it's kind of like a foundational, um, 
uh, uh, teaching series uh, on the foundations of what we see in Scripture, but also putting uh, what we see in Scripture into practice. And I want to invite you, if you've not yet experienced rooted or a rooted study, I want to invite you to make space for that coming up this August. Also, we are praying for folks to host uh, rooted in their homes. So if you're interested in hosting, uh, I would encourage you, just let us know. You can use uh, the Next Steps cards in the back of the seat in front of you. Uh, and for those of you joining us online, if you'd like to host, uh, or you're interested in the group, just go to our website, dsbc.church, and on the front page is a contact uh, form. I believe that as we study together, study scripture together, and engaging in these spiritual practices together, we will have a, a sweet taste of the kingdom of God in our midst. Oh, um, uh, yeah, okay. You guys have been praying for this, by the way. You, you guys know the Lord's Prayer? Our Father, I learned it the old-fashioned way, if you'll pardon me. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed or holy is your name. That, oh, what's that? God has come near. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Where? Right here. We're going to live the kingdom right here. So while there may be poverty and death and injustice and evil in the kingdoms of this world... Right here, we live the kingdom of God. All right? All right, let's... So, okay, let's keep going. Oh, man, isn't this cool? Right? Oh, I love the Bible. It's so cool. Okay, uh, uh, okay so, now, so that was it. That was Jesus' sermon. And some of you guys are saying, I wish Campbell would do shorter sermons like Jesus. And you know what? I'm not like Jesus yet, so tough for you. So... <laughs> He's right, maybe by the time I'm 90, I'll be able to do a two-sentence sermon. As he passed alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, Simon's brother, casting a net into the sea. For, <laughs> I love this. Mark, thank you, Mark, uh, for they were fishermen. Okay, okay, so it, they weren't like net bandits, right? Like tossing nets. Thank you, Mark. Now, but notice, Mark is doing something here. Mark is telling us that they are doing what? So we're having our minds them going out and gathering the fish, Right? This is, this, is, this is so beautiful. First of all, notice that the first two people that Jesus called to follow him were nobodies. He didn't go to kings. He didn't go to generals. He didn't go to the wealthy. He just went to two nobodies. The only reason we know Simon and Andrew is because Jesus called them. See, in the kingdom of God, this is so fascinating. In the kingdom of God, the powerful, the wealthy, the mighty rarely get it. They, they just don't understand it in the Bible. And often they're suspicious of the proclamation of the kingdom of God. But what you'll find, especially in the Gospel of Mark, but actually in, in your whole New Testament, is that, that it's the poor, the marginalized, the immigrant, the widow, the orphan, the outsider, the ones who have been relegated to the margins that oftentimes see it. Because the kingdom of God is upside down. And those on the margins are crying out for justice and mercy and love and truth and grace to reign. Oftentimes it's the wealthy and the powerful that feel like they don't need any of that. This is why the upside down kingdom was met with a crucifixion. Okay. So he, he calls these two nobodies, they're casting a net into the sea for they were fishermen. Notice what Jesus says to them. Come on. Let's all say it together. Follow me. So Jesus comes and proclaims. He says, have your mind blown. Repent. Believe the gospel. Turn back to me. Place your faith, your trust, your hope, your allegiance in. Hold me up to be true. If, you're, if he was a chair, he would say, sit in me. Right? Rest in me. Put all of yourself into my care. And then he 
goes to some nobodies. And what does he say? Come on. And he says it to you, to you, to you, to everybody. Come on. Follow me. The kingdom of God is near. There is a beauty and a justice and a truth and a mercy and a grace that you could never experience in the kingdoms of this world, so follow me. Jesus loves you so much, and his kingdom is beautiful and wonderful. It fulfills all of the longings in our hearts, and it comes in its fullness in Jesus who gives his life for you and for me. And Jesus goes to a bunch of nobodies. And he says, come on. So let's do it. Let's follow Jesus. Let's walk the Jesus way. And let's serve one another and love one another as representatives of Jesus, as this church family strives to follow the Jesus way. I know there's a lot of confusion out there about what it means to be a Christian. I know there's a lot of crap out there and people using Jesus' name to service their own kingdoms of this world ends. But I'm here to tell you that in this imperfect bunch of misfits, this is what we're committed to, is living the kingdom now and following the Jesus way and inviting everybody no matter who you are, where you've been, to come with us as we follow him. Church family, I love you. More importantly, Jesus loves you more than you could ever imagine. Let me pray for us. Lord, this good news is so good. We want to be a people who, who with fidelity and truth represent you well to be your ambassadors, to live the kingdom on earth as it is in heaven, to be kingdom people now, to experience your beauty, your truth, your grace, your forgiveness, your love, now present in our midst. And so by the power of your spirit, Lord, we pray that you would convict us of sin, that we would be a people who Find the spiritual discipline of repentance, having our minds blown, turning back to you, that we would find it to be sweet, that we would experience your grace in fresh ways in those spaces of repentance, that we would be a people who model that grace to one another, loving each other just as you have loved us. By the power of your Spirit, would you strengthen us to do that? Jesus, we love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.